0: He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from
1: Delray Beach, Florida, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome. Tonight, we're going to talk about opening your mind. Yes. We're going to open your mind to see things, because that's what we do. And this is what we are trying to teach at the Zoom class. And let me bring in Ron Flatter. Ron, you had a chance to go over the last night's Zoom. Um, is it working? Are we, lot, are we getting people to open up their eyes to and their mind simultaneously?
0: Well, if we haven't, this lesson might be the key to doing just that. And it's a combination, because not only are we looking ahead to the Florida Derby on Saturday but we're looking back to last weekend with the Louisiana Derby and all the events that came through on March the 20th I mean it was such an eventful day some of it off the track it was the day we learned life is good is off the triple crown trail it's when ah, we what what? <laughs> what how did that happen yeah hope you had that two-to-one ticket frame because it's not going to do you much good going back to the window.
1: Well, so, with my words, you just keep betting on them.
0: Yeah, hey, yeah. From Like you said, you called this one last fall, the very first race in his debut that he ran and won. But it was like, uh, you had trepidations all along.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't like him either. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that's right <laughs> trepidations for 400k yeah
1: yeah yeah but, essential uh, quality you know,
0: though you know, is still around we talk about him talk about medina People forget about him i know he, he's so
1: good they forget about him
0: he's just undefeated and a reigning champion
1: uh right that's uh, that's all he's done you know oh. but people it, it, it how, how amazing is this game that things are right in front of you right in front of you like life is good going out to the outside fence it's right in front of you, you know, and it's like, oh, but essential quality. All he does is keep winning, and they're like, "Well, life is good. I've seen everything I, I needed to see. I, I, he's done nothing wrong." And I'm thinking to myself, like, "Are we cheer? Are we? Do we have a racing media that's a cheerleading squad rather than actually?" You know, and and I gotta say this, Ron. How about the interviews with Mike Smith? where he's saying, oh, yeah, he was looking at the scoreboard. That's right. why he was getting out. Bullsh. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, come on. Cheerleading squads. Thank God some of these people are not wearing tutus and the little short skirts. <laughs>
0: and the spirit squads. And speaking of spirit, Medina ah. spirit certainly causing some sturm and drong this week because of a procedure that you describe and we get into in good detail In the Zoom class, Rock Your World, looking ahead on him. He's going to be in the Santa Anita Derby next month, coming off the turf for John Sadler. Spielberg shipping East this week for Baffert to be in the Florida Derby. Dream Shake, can he do what he did already for Peter Erton and maybe even overachieve a little bit more? And of course, as I said, in this most visual of media, yes, with your ears, you're going to watch, so listen and find out how we do this. But Bruno, you started by talking about a horse that failed last weekend, and that was the beaten favorite that finished sixth in the Louisiana Derby, Mandaloon.
1: When you're looking at a, a, a Mandaloon and you see the poor performance, I think you have to, you have to, you have to, in your mind, not excuse it, but understand it and when I saw him starting to back up, the first thought that went through my head is those back-to-back races, the LeCompte and the Risen Star, that he was gone three, four wide in each one of those races. As much as easy as they win, and as good as they win, going wide, like he did on both turns in both races, those take their tolls. When it when it takes toll on them. That's what they end up doing. They end up running poorly. They end up bleeding. They end up stopping. To me, what I saw as he turned for home, he wouldn't switch leads. And that's usually a sign to me that possibly something later will pop up. When, when I see a certain physical trait or a physical uh, manifestation of possibly a horse fatiguing and when they fatigue, they don't switch leads. That's one of the things they do. They take forever on that one lead before they switch. A great example was Tax out of the Pegasus World Cup. We showcased it, but going out of the race, what that horse looked like in the last quarter of a mile. And he went from being third at the quarter pole to absolutely having nothing left in the lane on the wrong lead backing up. That's something that stands out to you. And you don't have to be a trainer. You don't have to know what that horse felt like the next day or what it looked like the next day, you know, something that horse will need time to bounce back. It's all about how they move and how they hit the ground. That tells you a lot. That's why trainers take their horses out in the morning and they jog them on the road because they want to see how they are the next morning and the way they hit the ground. That's very important. So when I looked at Mandaloon turning for home, I, I felt something was there one thing that popped out at me about mandaloon he's not really flipping his ears like he did before he's doing a lot more he's working harder at it than uh we have seen we've seen him before mandaloon switched leads fine he's just going up and down almost like he bled i would really be interested if he bled in that race the gallop out. How Charlie galloped out very, very well. So that Obeso, let's pop back and we're going to watch it on the head on. First of all, how many times we've told you how Proxy gets out very badly, lugging out. The blinkers didn't do really that much for him, but he just doesn't seem to really want to. He, he seems to really want to re- lug out, and he always does that. I'll tell you who I thought ran straighter than normal was Midnight Bourbon. I know he's under a lot of pressure right-handed, but he did not go out as far as he has done in the past. None of them have a real defect in their stride. In fact, they're all pretty decent movers. But overall, I found the way they moved, I couldn't knock them at all. Uh, Not as bad as we have seen in the past with Life is Good and a few other horses. Looking at the replay of that race, the way Mandaloon went just straight up and down, down the lane, that tells me he could have possibly bled. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm right. No Lasix, correct, right? So having, having no Lasix and having those two big efforts behind them, um, I, I think that's one of the main reasons horses bleed is 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 stress and pressure and they asked a lot about mandaloon to make it three trips in a row to go three four wide he just was never comfortable as far as proxy is concerned i don't think he's a legitimate derby horse the blinkers really didn't help him at all uh he he ran the same kind of race he's still under pressure uh moved out you know didn't run straight um of all of them, the midnight midnight bourbon, who's done this before, actually ran straight at them at the mall, he actually improved in that. Um, I like horses that run straight, guys. That's the bottom line. You have to run straight to win races. You know, you 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 just you don't win a lot of races when you're actually uh, floating out down the stretch. So in the Louisiana Derby, I just felt like Obessa's oh, ran a good race. Now he needs to get some help, hopefully be able to get into uh, into the derby with points. But the history, again, of it, you have to go back to 1996 with Grindstone uh, winning the Derby. And then uh, with Jerry Bailey, he had, he was the uh, last Louisiana Derby winner to actually win uh, the Kentucky Derby. That's a long, that's 25 years, guys. That's 25, and, and ladies, uh, it's 25 years of, of futility. And we've seen some really nice horses. Um, we've seen um, horses like Gunrunner, who is probably the best of them all. Um, we've seen... Um, Fletcher win a number of races uh, with horses in the, you know, horses like noble Indy um, and revolutionary war of will. War of will didn't win it. No, he did. Oh, you're right. Okay. He just, War of will was that was yeah. famous for losing his in at the start, you know? So I, I, I really think that I really believe that the pressure of the, Lecomte risen star and going into the fairgrounds um, uh, Louisiana Derby, sorry. Louisiana Derby. I think that does take a that that, that takes a toll. With War of Will, his problem was was all um was all high in. It always has been. He's got a condition called string halt that but I think it was deeper than that with him. Um, another reason also is in both in the Risen Star and the LeCompte, he drew outside post and he was gunned from the gate. He had to really use his high and end to come out of the gate to be able to get those, um, to get to the first turn and get in front. I also believe that that really, really gates are the worst on hind ends. The more you ask for a horse to run from the gate, the more the hind end is going to, is going to suffer. And it takes a special trainer to be able to understand that and to be able to, to alleviate or work on hind ends to make sure that that horse stays sound with my trainer. I ask him all the time, please do the hind end. When's the last time hind end was done? Well, the horse is fine. Please do the hind end. And if you have to, please go into the uh, go into the sacrum as well. Do the sacrum. Even if you have to go into the glutes, do the hind end. Um, I had horses with Steve Asperson for a couple of years, and he worked very hard on the hind ends. And guys, that's not doping horses. That's not drugging horses. That's keeping those horses well oiled and maintained. You take your car in to get um, oil change and lube and new filters. That's no different than what you have to do with a horse. And with a horse, you need to keep that hind end well lubed. Some horses have problems with hind end from their young years. And um, a lot of the times you see horses that don't Bring a ton of money uh, through the auction sales as yearlings or weanlings, and that's because they had issues on the hind end. They had to have some surgeries, so that means you've got to stay on top of them and maintain them. Horses like Capo Kane that we watched one, one win one race at Aqueduct. I believe he won the uh, the one the Jerome, and I, as soon as I watched the video, we watched it together. I said that's a left eye issue. That's why that well bred I believe it was Street Sense. Uh, cost like 30000 because probably that horse has a baby at issues within the hind end. And that's why when horses lug out, they have hind end issues leading into life is good. What have we been talking about on on this Zooms in the last two weeks to three weeks about life is good? Running off. Yeah, but I said there's something wrong with them. Bad mover. There's something wrong with him. uh, Horses run away from pain and they lug out. They lug out away from pain. So what is it? It's on the left side. He already has offset on the left knee that actually his knee bends in inward as he hits the ground. That puts a lot of pressure on his hind end. What happens? He's got a, he's got a, according to Baffert, he's got a left hind chip. According to Baffert, it's a small chip. Yeah, right. Just like all the the horses that I had a tendon issue with, and I was told, oh, it's just a really tiny pinhole like this. You get to the farm and you do it and you do an ultrasound, and I think it's got a tear 50% of the tendon. Now, I will say this, to be fair to the trainers on track that when you do soft tissue damage, you have soft soft tissue, you may not know what how bad that soft tissue is because you wait a week, you let everything calm down, and then, and then you really see what's wrong with them. My point is, is that there's a cause and effect to everything. When I hear people say, oh, if he's 70%, he wins the race, that's ignorant. No, they don't. They don't. So any little thing that can happen in a in a racehorse can really hurt you and it can really cause other issues i believe hind end issues create front end problems sometimes when i go when i when i go and look at horses to buy horses and i watch them walk away from me and i know there's some structural i can see the structural way they walk behind especially if they're close behind or the way they're built behind with a, with a straight up. I just automatically assume that if I buy that horse and that horse isn't properly ca- taken care in the back, it's going to show up up front. And so a lot of problems emanate from the back, speaking of world well that we brought up life is good. It's the same thing. Um, so, Life is good is out. Uh, Wherever you've heard from anybody about, oh, they're waiting to see, he's out, he's gone. He's he's not gonna run in the Derby. Another horse from the Bob Baffert barn was reported to have, and don't shoot the messenger, a slightly displaced palate. It's like saying you're really slightly pregnant. (laughs) it's either it displaces or not period again don't shoot the messenger they said they fixed it I'm sorry it's not like saying hey your carburetor screwed up let me take the carburetor out and let me put you a new one in okay and it's all brand new it's done no no I'm going to show you something I had a filly that we had to give throat surgery last week that the vet, Doc McCoy over in New Orleans, had to do. And his whole theory is, if I can keep the strength of the muscles that pull the palate forward, but weaken the muscles that pull the palate backwards, then if in and, and, and reality, the stronger muscles are going to keep the palate forward and not make it flap all the way on top of cutting off the air. So what you do there is you have to cut open. You have to go in, you have to cut the right ligaments or nerves or tendons, whatever, whatever it is to make sure it's correct. So I asked doc and I, and I'm going to pull up my, um, my text with the doc. I asked him, I said, um, during surgery, can you tell that a horse that needs the surgery from those that are questionable? In this case, slightly. No, cannot tell. One hundred O and on scoping uh, and noise production without another known cause. So the reason they feel is you can scope and you can see that a horse displaces or two is by the noise they make. Number 1 noise you never want to hear from your horse is whistling. And trust me, Ian whistling Dixie, okay? If they whistle, that's a bad problem. It means they can't breathe. So it's about about the production of, of the noise production that gives you an idea of what they are. If they gurgle, that could be the displacement that 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 you hear. So I asked him he goes you can do a dynamic airway exam but a scope up their nose and 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 Working may cause them to 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 not displace. Now, what happens is a lot of horses. They'll put this machine on, and they'll put a scope down into their throat, and they'll work them, and they'll see how that works. What he's saying is, is sometimes you can't tell. Is in my case, I had a really fast sprinter. God, fourteen years ago. What happens is a esophageal wall was so thin that when he got under pressure, the wall went like this and cut off his air. Because when we use the dynamic scope in a work to see the function of the throat as they're working and, and, and running, you couldn't tell, they didn't show anything. But when you put him pressure in a race, those walls would cave in, they were thin. And that could be uh, hereditary. That could come from your sire and your dam. Uh, he was by Sea of Secrets, who was a very, very well-known uh, horse that couldn't breathe. Um, when I asked him about what, what's the time on, uh, on, to return, he says, we do the surgery and give a day off, um, and the prognosis is 70% of, of a chance that she'll never have that problem again, 70. So when I hear, number one, people telling me slightly, okay, um, it's not slightly, so I'm really going to be interested in what Medina Spirit looks like. So why don't we do that? Why don't we go watch Medina Spirit work the other day? It's today. Yeah, it's today. Medina Spirit is working with a with another horse named Brutto, which in Italian means ugly. I'm not making it up, folks. He runs his, with his head down a little bit, so that's not you're not going to be able to really see a whole lot. Big loose reins on him. He's keeping his hands way back down, down near the withers, and he's letting the horse stretch his head out. Extended himself decently after the wire. Switch leads fine into the turn, but that's not going to tell us anything. Now we need to see a prior work from him to actually get a better idea. The one with triple tap on 27th of February. Triple tap came back to win. Once again, you see the rider's hands well down, letting him drop his head. One tap on the shoulder with the right hand, asked him to go, and he picked it up right away. Very willing animal. Ears flicking around. The sire of Medina Sparrows, Protonico, used to be a top-pletcher. And he was a cut below the best, maybe a great three at the most. And he had a couple of races where he just stopped dead. And I'm wondering if he had a little bit of a breathing problem or the same kind of problem. I love the way this is a work before the surgery. Look at him extending. Look at the same handling of the reins by the rider. Just to give him a slap on the shoulder with the rein. No indecision at all of splitting that horse coming on the inside. Uh, no, there's not much difference I don't see that much difference He worked triple tap here um, he keeps getting a left-handed or, you know a tap on the shoulder to keep going the ears are up I mean I, I, I don't see anything to say to me that this horse has a breathing problem based on that let's not make let's go back one more let's just make sure here he worked with heels up again, I'm looking for any kind of change, any kind of change from work to work. In this case, they put him on the hip of heels up and then asked him to make a run. What I saw here is a horse that's not quite as, and he really has to be all out here to keep up with heels up. And what I see from that is, is a horse that is not as comfortable being behind horses and having to make a run than he is being in front and being chased. I think Protonical is the kind of, I'm, excuse me, um, Medina Spirit is the kind of horse that wants to look you in the eye and keep going, or he wants to be in front of you and be chased. Authentic was one of those horses. He wanted to be chased and he was best chased. And how? And, and one thing I can tell you I know about being chased My dog, Joe, loves being chased. He doesn't want to be the one chasing me. I got to chase him. And he loves the game. And I think with a lot of horses, it's that game as well, that, hey, come and get me, come and get me. I showed you the video of Promise Keeper working with Prime Factor before Prime Factor ran in the Fountain of Youth. And Promise Keeper, just messed with him every step of the way. I watched Painter do this to flashback way back in 2014 and I was just I fell in love with Painter. The one thing I want to tell you before we we get into to doing this workouts are not about who's fastest to the wire. It's not about having a fast time. It's not about oh, he's he's got bullets. It really has to do with how a horse performs under those circumstances. What is the trainer attempting to accomplish with today's work? And that's why sometimes I I do not believe in time because I think time can lead you down the wrong path. Just like I keep telling you to stop looking at splits, stop looking at those, watch the horses themselves. Now watch here. The chestnut on the inside is promise keeper. The outside bay is prime factor who showed blistering speed when he broke his maiden, looked like a superstar. Now watch how Promise Keeper messes with Prime Factor. He's dragging the rider. Prime Factor gets alongside, and watch Promise Keeper right here, put him away with the left lead and through the turn. Look at Prime Factor on the outside. He goes out wide. He wasn't prepared for that horse to skip away from him like that. Now he gets alongside of Promise Keeper again, and Promise Keeper, they – you look at the rider. He's got a big hold on him. But Promise Keeper has got a big hold on him. And Prime Factor looks like he's under, he's shifting his ground a little bit. He's under pressure because look at Promise Keeper. He's starting to kick away from me again. Now he, Prime Factor goes after him. Promise Keeper is going to take off away from him again. Watch when Promise Keeper hits the turn. He switches to the left lead, boom, and he's gone. He cuts the corner. Look at Prime Factor. Now he's behind again. Now he's trying to catch up again. And look at he's under stress. That's stressful to him right there. That horse is completely under stress. Rider getting after him. Promises keeper it's just going real easy again. So when I watched this, I thought prime factor was not going to show one lick of speed that he showed in. In his prior races, when you get messed like that mentally, I think it, it it puts those horses completely out of form, out of just just destroys them mentally. And I can go back to a number of horses. When Painter did it, the flashback. I wish I had that video. Oh, I wish I had that video because it, it, the Painter. It was the 2014 Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita. And Painter did exactly that, the flashback. Flashback was supposed to be the greatest thing for Baffert um, and just messed with him. You know, would run five feet, then hold up. Flashback would try to catch him. He would take off again. And it was cat and mouse the whole way. Flashback um, ran in a undercard race on the Breeders' Cup that first race. He was two to five. And and I wrote, I said, I don't think he's going to run a lick. Because he's not going to, he, he had his head completely messed with and the other day. And I think it's going to affect him. And sure enough, he didn't win. Um, I had the winner, I think. I can't remember who it was, but I had whoever it was. Because I, I, I did not like flashback. And then sometimes it's little things like that. that, when you're watching and pick those up, I showed you on concert tour. Let's look at concert tour. We're going to go back to the Rebel. And this was a part of concert tour that I had not seen in the morning or afternoon. Cattle River is the one, he's trying to go to the lead. Now concert tour beats him to it. Now Florence Giroux maybe makes the mistake right there, he grabs him and he lets Rosario drop down. So now he thinks he's gonna go and sit behind and then engage. He gets within a head and look at concert tour, picks it up, now he's fr- a length in front. Florent, Giroux is happy to be there, but now he's going to try to engage again. He thinks, okay, I'm in a good spot. We're getting into the half. I can engage. Now he engages within a half a length, and look at Tour. He's back a length in front. Now you start seeing a little bit of the pressure on Caddo River. He's got the right rein dangling. He gets again about a half a length with Tour, and look at Tour. He's going to pull away about a length and a half right here, within strides. Look at his ears, too, Bruno. That's another one you always point out to everybody. He completely messed with C- Cattle River. He every time Cattle River got in a zone and started to move, he basically tore his heart out. And then, what you see down the lane is, a, is 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 Cattle River is just done. He's all over the place. He's moved two lanes one way, one another. And look at Concertory just sitting with ears up. So when I see that and I I can identify an animal like that, that can actually be able to play this cat and mouse game with another horse. I don't want to be the, I don't want to have the, my money on that other horse. I don't because all it is, is playing a game with them. And and in was doing it so easy. So I believe that going back to Medina Spirit, Medina Spirit is not that kind of horse. Medina Spirit is the kind of horse that says, chase me. And I'm going to keep finding more. But if you can blow by Medina Spirit, then you're fine. I could not see any issues with him of having a displaced pallet. Now, what could have happened is him being grabbed and pulled around to make sure the other horse didn't get over? That could have been another thing. What does Medina Spirit like to do? He likes to keep his head low, right? He likes to keep his head low. And keeping his head low, so you can't grab him and move him over to another horse to do your little game you move his head you making you're making him hold his head differently than when he's used to running. he needs to be have the rein left open and his head dropped. That's how he does his best as I've told you horses hold their heads in their in their own distinct manner so they can breathe so. When I'm looking at Medina spirit and I said, look at the way the reins, the guy is holding the reins. He's holding them out and away and he's allowing the horse to drop his head. And let him do it in his particularly unique manner. But if you're going to try to accomplish something and you want to grab him and you raise that head. Oh, yeah, he's going to displace because you're putting his neck, all of his muscles in an area that they're not comfortable for him. If you ever, um, when you walk your dog and you have a leash that's loose, your dog has that natural gait looking around. But if you have him on a tight and you hold him up tight with a short leash, then all of a sudden his head's up and he can't do a whole lot. Same thing with horses. When you have Medina Spirit on a long leash, he drops his head, he's comfortable, He's moving easily. When you have him on a tight leash and you're trying to, you're altering his whole body. You're altering his head. I guarantee you that's when he displaces. So a very interesting point about Medina spirits, slightly displaced. There was a couple of other works today. And one of them was dream shake who ran behind uh, life is good worked this morning as well. So here he is behind a horse named Royal Act. When I'm at the track, we don't just have, a, there's no list that has horses and says, oh, Dream Shake's going to work from the five furlongs to the, no, nobody does tells you anything. You have to know who's coming out from a point of who you expect to work that day the big horses. And the rest of them, you're basically making up your own uh, you're making it up as you go along. So this is a great example. So let's say I'm watching this this live work and I go, okay, I got Dream Shake breaking behind um, a work made by about two lanes. Who's the Baffert behind them? We just went from the half. Started about three lanes behind. So now here, Dream Shake's on the outside, Royal Act on the inside. You have a Rafael Becerra that's in front of them that's going shorter. My eyes kept going back to the Baffert, who took some dirt on the turn. Now, these boys are going 58 and one. So they must have come home and probably about 46 and two, 46 and three, because the Baffert, I'm cheating, went 47 and one. Big it looked okay. But what caught your eye behind them was the Baffert. And the horse's name is Ginja, G-I-N-J-A. Ginja is a maiden, a three-year-old filly. They gave her 47 and one. But you never know what you catch when you're watching some of these other works, what you might see behind. And Ginja looked looked decent to me, chasing those two boys down the lane. And she showed a good brain to not get in a position to where she wanted to go after him. Ryder did a really good job. It's not a race in the morning. It's just definitely not a race in the morning. And she did very well of keeping her mind about her. So having said that, why don't we find out who she is? Okay, she's had one start was February 26th in a seven-horse field. Blinker's on in her debut. Blinker's off in the work, getting her to relax. Her stride completely changed. She's not switching leads. She's tired. She needed this effort. She's still trying though. She desperately needed that effort. So for, as we do with everything, we're going to go to the head on. This is how you come up with horses out of the blue. Watching one thing and picking up something else. You do. I do that in the morning all the time. I see certain horses. I'm watching a horse, and all of a sudden, I pick up another one out of the corner of my eye. And th- th- there's just something that your brain tells you, watch that horse. A couple of things. She's a big, heavy fillet. You can tell by the size of her. She's got a lot of scope to her. She's got a lot of weight to her. Uh, she probably needed this effort. A little bit of a, a wing on the right, but she's just tired. She's tired. She's not firing right behind either. So now when I see this. I'm gonna go right to my site, and I want to see what her pattern was coming in. We had a, a string of uh, three-star works on her. She had taken a, probably about three to four weeks between the Lasalle start and this, and worked with a horse named Defunded, who supposedly is—he's uh, definitely a horse to follow for Bob. I heard uh, a couple of people talking about it, but. A lot of the times when you're doing your work as handicapping, like we've been just going through all this. So we're talking about Medina Spirit, we're talking about, you know, we were talking about life is good. And then you're watching something and you go, wait a minute, let me go back back to truck up. What was that? And a lot of the times you discover horses by looking at at a replay on another horse. We did it when we watched, uh, if you guys, those of you that were with us on those seminars, on those Zooms right before the Breeders' Cup, when we were going uh, about three weeks before, we did all the uh, long shop for the uh, Arc de Triomphe races, and we came across Tarnawa. That stood out. I kind of did it on purpose to go to Dream Shake because I wanted to show you that when you're watching something, keep your eyes open for other things. Also, another thing that I do is I go and I try to take a look at and what the pedigree is on a horse. I'm doing everything with you tonight that I usually do myself. So Ginja, Ginja is by Quality Road. The best foal out of the mare was a $500,000 earner that only won one two times, excuse me, won twice at nine furlongs. And I believe she won the uh, Darley uh, uh, Alcibiades if I'm not mistaken, this was a decile was a Al Stall, Sheila Tequila was the other good one. But um, what's interesting is uh, top decile won an all-weather sprint and won a dirt sprint. But yet, how did, she was second in the Arly, uh, Darley Alcibiades. That's correct. Yes. So, and she was second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies at Santa Anita too. I'm pretty sure she was a uh, uh, Al Stall. The mayor Sequoia Queen. She she won twice in her career, and it were both third sprints. She was by Forestry. So once again, I'm looking. I tried to get the whole picture on a horse. I try not to leave a stone unturned. The next horse I wanted to go over with you a little bit. There's another horse that's being um, pushed around named Rock Your World. And he worked this morning as well. in company with a horse named Haywood's Beach for John Sadler. I usually take horses from John Sadler seriously when they work three quarters. That's his signature move. Haywood's Beach. Bruno, Haywood's Beach is a four-year-old turf miler. So-so record. Thank you. I can tell you the way Haywood's Beach head sticks out. uh, That sticks out to me. Now, Rocky World right now, he's not going anywhere. And Haywood's Beach is just not even being asked. He's just kind of going along his way. And look at the writers even grabbing him a little bit to let Rocky World get that confidence builder. Look at Rocky World there. That's a stressful kind of stride. It's not smooth. He has to be used to go by the workmate who's not being asked along. Now the workmate's being asked a little bit. But that's a stride to me that just, I'm i am not a fan. Not smooth at all. So looking at that and knowing the competition, he's working with a turf horse and a turf horse that has just just okay class and he's having to work hard and he's on the stress. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll let everybody else take a look at him. Um, question that's on our chat is the nasal strips that Doug O'Neill uses. Um, I've heard them being called a lot of different names. I, I, I just think that some guys, you know, love to put blinkers on a horse. Some guys love to have drop nose bands. Uh, some guys love to have um, uh, ear muffs or cotton in the ears. Everybody has got their own particular thoughts. It's really about O'Neill being comfortable wearing those nose strips. And I cannot tell you whether they do anything or not. I, I, I really think that it's, it's really all in, in, in a trainer's equipment toolbox. If you look at Baffert, a lot of his first-time starters use blinkers and then they come off. That's in his toolbox. So when I'm watching horses and I'm, and, and I'm watching multiple trainers in the morning, I always note the equipment they have on. Like, for example, when I was in California, Cesar Dominguez had everything with blinkers and a shadow roll. Everything didn't matter. I learned that that's what Cesar Dominguez does. And what I what I did do is I started looking at his horses seriously when they didn't wear equipment. When what I do when I watch post parades and paddocks, I look for equipment, especially on first time starters. I look, what are they wearing? Because that'll tell you a lot. If I see a first time starter come out with blinkers, shadow roll, figure eight nose band, that's a kitchen sink. That horse, that trainer has had to go into his equipment toolbox and and pull out every piece of equipment he had. So the horse has not been too forthright on being able to put out an effort in the morning. Um, However, if I do see that that trainer wears that kind of equipment on everything first time out, then I don't put too much stock into it. It's really going trainer by trainer. It's almost like, I, you know, for myself, I have to put a different add-on for every trainer and how they train. Um, Pletcher, pretty much they're just with a bridle, drop nose band, and that's it. Chad Brown, pretty much the same thing, except when he puts blinkers on, there's reasons for it. He's gotten better with it where horses have fired with blinkers on. As before, I hate, I hate it when Chad Brown used to wear some kind of equipment. So the question that I have now from Andy is, Concerctor ran like a straight arrow in the Rebel during the stretch, and the 7th couldn't stay straight in the stretch. Why is that? Good question. Uh, that has got to do with track, too. Is the track deep and tiring causing them to do that? Did he need the race and needed it? Or was he not 100% and he still won it? Um, there isn't a particular answer I can give you. It wasn't bad, Andy, what he did in the San Vicente, But it could, in retrospect, told you that he had a bigger race coming. That wasn't his best. That wasn't his A game. Because I think we watched the replay, it was made and win, and it was pretty, pretty much a real deal kind of race. But otherwise, essential quality. That's where I'm going next. He's running in the bluegrass. And according to my guy in New Orleans, he worked in company with of course he worked last time with, which is now just escapes my mind who it is. And went 59, and what he told me is after the wire, he just took off again. Yeah, all of you that have been with us when we started watching Essential Quality after his maiden win going into the Breeders' Cup, I said, watch how he extends once he hits the wire. It's like he hits another gear. So that'll be uh, a very interesting in the bluegrass. Uh, we will have all the works from Fairgrounds coming up to Keeneland. We'll have all the Keeneland works. So we'll have New York works. Um, we're going to have pretty much, we're going to be the only coverage that has all those works. Nobody else will. Now, Spielberg, the horse, is going into the Florida Derby against Greatest Honor. So when we get the field uh, Wednesday night, we'll be able to talk a little bit about it. And definitely Friday night is our Friday Zoom where we go all over all, all the races for the Gulfstream Park Florida Derby card. But otherwise, when you're looking at horses, as we've done today, we went, we've gone through a lot of stuff. One of the things that will make you a better handicapper if you keep your mind open and you and you see things that you would you wouldn't have picked up otherwise, just like we picked up about Ginja and no blink blinkers and working behind other horses and then pulling up her pedigree. That's how you uncover horses when you're watching replays and you're watching a specific horse. Don't watch that horse alone. Watch the field. Because you'll come up with a horse, you go, wait a minute, I never saw this trip. Where did this come from? Oh, this winter ran huge. So it will help you open up your mind. Ron, you don't know how many times I've cashed huge tickets because I, let my mind op- I left my mind open to see things that, that sometimes I hadn't noticed before. Um, a great example was, as we mentioned, about the concert tour. Rebel stakes win. Now, going forward, I will tell you, I can't count how I can't count how many times I have heard handicappers like a horse first and make a case for it later. So, in other words, I like this remote. So let me ask you, let me let me figure out how I can like this remote so I can like it. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you cannot handicap because you like a horse and then make a case for it. You make a case for the horse and that, and that means you like the horse and you think he has a chance. If you handicap that way, that you go, well, I like stylish rags. Well, why do you like stylish rags? And if you're flipping through the pages of your past performances to go look on why you like them and you're wrong
0: well the perfect example you gave it in the zoom class was tarnawa here's a mare that we didn't even know really existed we were going back through all the races on arc day at the prix de l'arc de triomphe at longchamp back in october and on a zoom class we're just going through the races not even knowing who won them necessarily. So up comes the Prix de and here's this mare that Dermot Weld trains, that the Aga Khan owns, and she goes ahead and wins this race, and we go, oh, okay, won that one on a heavy track. Let's go to the last one. Hey, won by three in the prep race on a good track. How is this going to translate to Keeneland? Hey, this might work out. Oh, it, it sure did work out. Hope you had Tarnawa, in the breeder's cup turf because that was about the only ticket i was cashing that was winning that i had a win ticket on during the breeders cup bruno and that one was very satisfying and it was because we let the horse come to us we weren't trying to take the horse and fit the race to that accordingly
1: i was um i remember that because i remember i we stopped midway through the race and i said "Whoa, whoa 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 go back Go back. Mm-hmm. And we went back. And we do that a lot. You know, what we do a lot on the Zooms is that I, I, I make a, a, a conscious effort to not going through those races until the Zoom class so I can naturally react to those races. And I found that to be very uh, fulfilling for myself, too, because not only are we teaching, not only are we, are we explaining, not only are we working through something, but also we're reacting with it as we go along. And I think that's a great teaching tool. Uh, And and then it's not all about teaching, it's about just showcasing what people can expect from watching races and being attentive. I've had a lot of people write me that that attend our classes and say, you know, I I wanna get to the point one day that I can see races like you, because you see things in a way that very few people do and and, we tr- and, and Ron, you're, you're going to be the judge on this. Um, I really try to get to talk down to a very uh, beginner's level and then move it up to an uh, intermediate and then we'll go further up with each meeting. Um, if you were to grade some of these Zoom classes, how would you grade them?
0: Well, take a listen to the one that we just had, and I would challenge anyone who just listened to this podcast to say that they didn't learn something, because if they didn't, well, they weren't listening, and so in that respect, what? that's so. an A grade. That's an A grade because if you're able to teach that at all levels, especially what you were talking about in terms of the throat procedure, if you didn't learn from that, then you're not. Then you're just using this as a, a babysitting tool just to have some noise in the background. So hopefully, and, and if you're saying, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what was that?" Go back and listen again. Then, if you didn't learn from, go back and listen again. In that respect, if you got your ears on, then it's an A grade. If you don't, you know, if you want to, if you're doing this for Bruno sex appeal, I'm giving you a D.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. I used to be good looking. No. Um, Didn't we all? But, well, let's just say this: I'll just use my eyes and let my mind wander.
0: Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.